We're definitely at an interesting crossroads right now with a lot of investors asking about the U.S. dollar. It's something to keep a close eye on to see how high we would go. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Has the latest U.S. CPI print cemented the end to Fed rate hikes? In our 200th episode, portfolio managers Matt Montemuro, Chris McKaney, and your host, Mackenzie Box, analyze this small but important improvement on the inflation front. They also discuss what's trending in BMO ETFs, the outlook for the U.S. dollar, and commercial real estate. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFS.com. Hello and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights Podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in and to provide your questions and comments each and every week. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, and product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I'm joined by Matt Montemuro and Chris McKinney, who are both ETF portfolio managers. So a special thank you to both Chris and Matt for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Mackenzie. All right, let's dive in. Matt, we're going to start with you. So the U.S. CPI printed this week and came in a bit lower than expectations signaling that the Fed and its higher interest rate policy is making a dent in inflation. Can you talk about the recent print, the market implications, and what this might mean for portfolio positioning going forward? Yep, absolutely. So, you know, we did get some positivity from October's CPI print uh, south of the border. Year over year printed at about 3.2%, beating median expectations of 3.3% and down from 3.7% in September. You know, furthering that downward trend, and, and again, we're getting much closer to that two handle that a lot of market participants are waiting for. Much of the uh, weakness in price pressures was driven by falling energy prices. You know, although even core inflation came in lower than anticipated, so that is a good sign as well. The 0.2% increase in prices, excluding food and energy, was a tick softer than consensus had priced in. Again, another positive. Used vehicles, airline fares, and education all saw prices decline. So that said, you know, weakness was even more broad-based. Uh, with a number of other categories showing middling price growth in October. All in all, this is a very, very good sign, and uh, the market reacted as such immediately after. So the market rallied as a result with yields dropping like a rock, with the market widely expecting that this means that the Fed is done raising interest rates. While rates fell by about 20 basis points on Tuesday, uh, the market exuberance was somewhat short-lived, you know, giving back about half of that 
retracing on Wednesday. You know, all in all, uh, I think the market is very happy with the print and the stability uh, has become a common theme in the market since. You know, that expectation that rates may have peaked and that if uh, if we continue to make meaningful strides, we won't necessarily need this higher rates for a longer narrative and that the likelihood of a soft landing or no landing becomes more and more viable. So if you look at market expectations, how they change since the print, you know, we've seen the expectation of cuts now have moved up significantly since Tuesday's print. You know, Canada is now pricing in a cut in April and the U.S. is pricing in a cut in June. So, you know, personally, I still think this is too soon. I think this is a little bit of a uh, uh, market exuberance, uh, you know, the pendulum swinging a little bit too far. I think we're on the right path for inflation, but I do think we're going to experience some of the effects of that stubborn, sticky inflation as we move, you know, from a three handle to a two handle now to the, you know, to that lower 2% range where uh, the Fed and Bank of Canada want us to be. That being said, I do think that cuts do come next year, but I just think they're going to be later in the year. And I do expect to see uh, a little bit more rate stability on, on the go forward basis. So that's a good news for investors as a whole. You know, and due to that, I think there could be an opportunity right now in, in the market for investors uh, to take advantage of the current positioning and potentially add duration to portfolios. I think for the trend for almost uh, I, I, almost two years now has been go short, hang out on the short end. Um, you know, I do think that this could be an opportunity for investors to add duration. We have seen institutions starting to pick away at duration over the last month or two. If I was looking to add duration, I'd consider ZFL, BMO's Long Federal Bond Index ETF, or ZTL, BMO's Long-Term U.S. Treasury Bond ETF. That gives you very targeted duration exposure. You're getting that kind of Especially on the long end, you're, you're targeting right where you want to be in terms of that duration. You're barbelling that duration with, within the rest of your portfolio. Or, you know, I think a lot of investors had moved their core of their portfolio short, moved it uh, if, if it was cash, moved it to the short end. You know, I think those type of investors could consider a more core exposure. It might be prudent for those investors to start migrating that core, you know, a little bit further out. Uh, into something like ZAG, BMO's Aggregate Bond Index ETF, or ZDB, BMO's Discount Bond ETF for those taxable investors to add some duration. You're going to move from that pure short exposure to a little bit more index duration, but you're still getting that long-term exposure in the event that cuts come sooner than expected. So, you know, that's something that I would consider for investors, either, you know, going all in and, and adding kind of a barbell within your portfolio and buying something like ZFL or ZTL, or if you want a little bit more of a subtle move, keeping yourself self-invested across the curve, but making sure that you do have some longer duration in your portfolios. I think ZAG and ZDB both are excellently positioned for the market ahead. Great. Thanks, Matt. Does market volatility have you wondering where to go to ride out the storm? Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's money market and ultra-short-term bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZUCM. ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS.
Chris, we're going to pass the next one over to you, kind of change it up a bit and look at kind of what's been trending so far this year. And year to date, we see the returns of our BMO uh, MSCI All Country World High Quality Index ETF, ticker ZGQ, and quality-oriented exposures do very well. Is there time still to allocate here for investors and what's been driving this performance? Thanks, Mackenzie. Uh, maybe I'll start with the second part of that question first. What's been driving performance? You know, as you mentioned, uh, this this fund ZGQ been doing very well year to date, and similar to what we've seen in other markets, you know, U.S. specifically, um, it has been somewhat narrowly led in terms of performance by the technology and technology related sectors. Um, so, you know, names like Nvidia, Microsoft, and Apple. Are things that you know everyone I'm sure is familiar with, but this being a global fund, also names like Taiwan Semiconductor and ASML Holdings finding their way into that sort of performance drivers. Um, you know, similarly, those technology-related companies that might not be classified as technology, like Meta and Alphabet, that Facebook and Google uh, companies also doing very well. But what I like about the quality exposure is that across sectors, you tend to get what's working. Um, you know, even in those other sectors. So things like financials that in general haven't done very well year to date, uh, ZGQ has exposure to those financials that have done well, like Visa and MasterCard, or in healthcare, like Eli Lilly, the name du jour, so to speak, uh, in terms of the healthcare sector. So you get a nice exposure across sectors to those companies that tend to be working well. There's a common uh, thought that when uh, investors and advisors look at a fund that might have performed well uh, for the last year or so, they think maybe it's too late to get in or it hasn't, uh, the time has passed. But what I like about the quality exposure and about ZGQ specifically is that the methodology of the index will, will allocate towards those companies that are currently doing well. So right now we're talking about technology being part of a big part of the quality exposure there's a large allocation to U.S. equities as well, about 70%, which is an overweight on a global basis. If that changes over time, if those companies are no longer uh, deemed to be quality companies, the portfolio will allocate elsewhere, other countries and other sectors. And so that's why I think um, it's always a good time to add to quality exposure. And in particular, as we do start to move towards a, a more slower growth type of environment, you know, we've seen Canadian uh, GDP growth pretty much flatline. We've seen the U.S. GDP growth slow down at least a little bit, and European markets also slowing down. So as central banks try to engineer a global slowdown, a slowing of economic growth, quality exposure in general should be a, a good place to be. And for those, again, that are thinking maybe it's too late, um, again, the, the allocation will change based on where the methodology finds that quality um, as well. This fund being uh, probably one of a relatively few funds listed in Canada that A, gives you um, exposure to all countries, you know, both developed and emerging markets all in one portfolio, but also listed in Canada and invested directly in those companies and those countries. So very tax efficient for Canadian investors as well. Relatively unique fund in that regard. Uh, simply for getting that all-country exposure in one portfolio. Um, so again, those that are concerned about slowing economic growth, those that want this uh, hop on the tailwind of this performance that we've seen so far, uh, we think can be comfortable getting into a quality exposure that's going to be somewhat defensive on the downside um, and should performance and, and growth continue in the portfolio still has exposure to those companies that are doing well. 
Great. Thanks, Chris. Matt, we'll switch it back to you. A common topic right now is U.S. dollar. What is the outlook for the USD? And would it be, would you look at adding hedged or unhedged exposure in this current environment? Yeah, absolutely, Mackenzie. And we're definitely at an interesting crossroads right now with a lot of investors asking about the U.S. dollar. Um, you know, looking at uh, at CAD USD, you know, we're around 1.37 right now, which is you know close to the high that we've seen since about 2020. You know, a lot of investors continue to ask, you know, how high can this go? You know, given uh, the historic range, you know, we're definitely on the high end in terms of uh, of CAD USD right now. But I do think that there's definitely tailwinds though that could push the U.S. dollar higher, especially in the near term. So, you know, look, growing risks of uh, divergence between the Fed and the Bank of Canada policy do bring additional upside risk for uh, U.S. US dollar CAD in the coming quarters, weakening uh, growth that is already evidenced uh, in Canada is what gave the Bank of Canada its confidence to hold rates steady in October. So we're already starting to see some cracks in the system. And that's why the Bank of Canada is already observing, you know, past weakness in GDP growth is set to uh, feed through to more price increases. So we expect that 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 softening of GDP is also going to lead to cooler inflation on a go forward basis especially relative to the US you know a particular concern in the Canadian economy as well as the majority of mortgages that have not yet renewed at higher interest rates you know that'll put even more pressure on consumer demand following a decline in per capita consumption you know for Q2 and i think we expect that to go forward in Q3 and Q4 Outside of that, Canada's heightened interest rate sensitivity as an economy as a whole and the deterioration of domestic de- uh, demand will likely result in the Bank of Canada being forced to trim interest rates or cut interest rates. Let's call it a quarter, maybe a quarter or two ahead of the Fed. You know, this coupled with a, a shallower path for U.S. dollar depreciation next year on extended economic resilience, you know, does leave less room for loony appreciation in the near term. You know, that would mean the U.S. dollar would outperform as a result. So, you know, those are just some of the economic factors that are headwinds for the Canadian dollar and are tailwinds for the U.S. dollar. And I would expect the U.S. dollar to appreciate in, in that type of environment. You know, in another scenario, if we do see a more meaningful pullback, a harder landing than expected, maybe a deeper recession, then I think there there would continue to be more upward momentum for the U.S. dollar. And, you know, so another tailwind for the U.S. dollar. You know, USD continues to be a safe haven asset and currency. You know, it's a risk off trade. It's a driver in a risk off market. I still view geopolitical concerns as very high right now. We don't know which way that situation is going to go. If we saw a deeper recession, if we saw uh, you know geopolitical concerns continue to spread, you know I think those could drive investors into a risk-off like scenario and toward the U.S. dollar in that risk in that safe haven asset like scenario. So in this case again, I'd expect the U.S. dollar to outperform CAD. In the near term, I think that there's definitely uh, room for the U.S. dollar to appreciate. So that would want, mean that you'd want to go unhedged exposure. You know, but I think looking forward, I do think that there would be periods of tactical of opportunity to tactically hedge 
uh, within uh, within portfolios. You know, we're again, we're already on the higher range of 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 that historical range of CAD USD at one point three seven. If we're going to see it go well above one point four. You know, at some point you expect it to be range bounded and it to come back around. So, you know, while we do see, you know, appreciation of the U.S. dollar uh, as likely, I think that there could be opportunities to tactically hedge uh, some volatility as we get to the some of those higher range bounds. So, you know, anything above that 1.4, I think it's something to to keep a close eye on to see how high we would go because I would expect some retracing by the end of the year. Um, so, you know, near term, I think that there's op- upside opportunity in the U.S. dollar, but I think that there's opportunities to tactically hedge, especially in the second half of next year. Great. Thanks, Matt. Want to reduce the risk of market timing or increase near term growth? Our new range of BMO structured outcome ETFs can help you dial down risk or dial up equity returns. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZOCT, ZUEA, and ZEBA. And last but not least, Chris, as global office vacancies hit record highs, is commercial real estate exposure a concern for Canadian banks or U.S. banks? Thanks, Mackenzie. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of questions on commercial real estate exposure within the banks and and what that risk really is. Um, Obviously, something that's hard to determine in terms of how that's going to play out over time, but certainly one uh, area that that is under watch in the real estate sector, uh, for sure. We'll look at the Canadian banks first. You know, in general, uh, commercial real estate is about 10% of the lending portfolio. So it is a large chunk of the lending portfolio. It's behind residential real estate. Uh, in terms of the biggest allocation. Um, But of that 10%, that's to commercial real estate, only about 12% of that is for offices. And I think that's the real uh, concern that uh, many investors have with commercial real estate is the office sector specifically, uh, given the work from home trend that really has continued since COVID. So Canadian banks, it looks like, um, you know, somewhat... Uh, certainly, there is exposure, but but not to dangerous levels. Uh, you know, we've of course seen provisions for loan loss losses also increase from the Canadian banks. It's hard to tell exactly um, if they're setting those provisions aside for for residential loans or for commercial loans. So we don't know exactly how that's allocated, but we've certainly seen provisions coming up. And of course, the capitalization of Canadian banks is still very strong. But, you know, there is the potential for commercial real estate to hit earnings over the next year or so, call it. And I think that's why we've seen uh, Canadian banks sell off, really, in 2023. We're still about 15% below where the banks were trading uh, earlier this year and about 25% below the all-time high uh, that banks were trading at early in 2022. So uh, certainly have come down in terms of valuation and, you know, for investors looking to take advantage of, of, of what's a nice dividend yield there, uh, currently about 5.2% dividend, um, you know, there's actually a few ways to get into uh, this market that, that BMO offers in an ETF format. Um, you know, again, for investors looking at the Canadian banks, thinking co- commercial real estate isn't that huge of an issue and maybe have sold off too much. Um, you know, I don't think there's an impetus for an immediate rebound here as, again, this is something that will play out over time. 
but that nice dividend yield does allow you to get paid while you wait. Uh, you know, again, in that 5% plus range, um, that's tax efficient as well. So for investors wanting to, you know, take advantage of, of the valuations here, ZEB, the BMO Equal Weight Canadian Banks ETF, definitely the best way to play a rebound in the sector in terms of growth potential. Of course, ZWB, our covered call Canadian banks, is another way to play this for investors that aren't looking for necessarily a huge rebound, um, but want to get a little bit of extra income uh, out of the portfolio should banks continue to trade sideways. And recently, we've added the accelerator on Canadian banks. ZEBA, the Canadian Banks Accelerator ETF, is another way uh, for investors to take advantage of slower growth. Um, you know, in the same way that ZWB trades away upside for income, ZEBA for investors that think banks are going to trade sideways will, um, you know, increase the potential return you get out of price return. So, um, you know, if you think banks are trading sideways, you want a little bit of added return there, but you don't need the income that ZWB provides. ZEBA would probably be a preferred alternative for you there. For the second part of your question, in terms of that exposure in U.S. banks, there is probably a little bit bigger risk uh, in the U.S. banking sector in terms of their exposure to commercial real estate. Uh, you know, I mentioned it's 10% of lending at Canadian banks. For U.S. banks, it's actually about 24, 25% of lending uh, goes to commercial real estate. And if you look specifically at regional banks, so those smaller banks in the U.S., that will double again to about 46%. Uh, of lending is in the commercial real estate space. So regional lenders, regional banks, a lot more exposed to commercial real estate than the majors. And then, of course, more than Canadian banks as well. Um, so for investors that uh, you know want that exposure and want that regional bank exposure, you can take a look at ZBK, our uh, BMO Equal Weight U.S. Banks Index ETF. There's a 3.4% uh, distribution or dividend yield coming out of that portfolio. So, you know, not as high as the Canadian banks, but certainly a nice dividend to, again, get paid while you wait. You know, these stocks are down about 30% from where they were trading earlier in 2023. So a much more uh, deeper discount than what the Canadian banks uh, have shown so far here in 2023. Again, largely around those concerns around commercial real estate. Uh, and of course, what we saw earlier in the year with the regional banking scare back in March. So for again, for investors thinking this is mostly priced into the market, ZBK, a nice way to play any rebound we would get there. And again, a nice little 3.4% dividend yield on top of that while you wait. For those investors that, that think this is going to continue to trade sideways for a while and, and want that uh, added pickup, we have a covered call version here as well, ZWK. Uh, so for BMO Covered Call U.S. Banks ETF, uh, ZWK is the ticker, and that'll add a significant income stream. Uh, as we see more volatility out of U.S. banks, you can generally earn higher call premiums from that covered call program. And so you can get a very nice uh, income stream from ZWK. So, you know, maybe for Canadian investors looking in this space, you want to you know shy away from it, stick to those Canadian banks. And we had a few different ways to play that. Uh, but for those that think this uh, commercial real estate is going to be maybe not a non-issue, but less so than what's already priced in. Probably a, a couple of those U.S. bank exposures that we discussed would be the way to go. Great. Thanks, Chris. Some great options there. Those are all the questions that we have for this week. So I just want to thank everyone for listening in, and a special thank you to both Matt and Chris for providing some great insights. And with that, I'll wish everyone a great day and we'll see you next week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Matt Montemuro, and Chris McKaney for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast.
Today, we heard about the BMO Long Federal Bond Index ETF, ticker ZFL, which can help investors get targeted duration exposure on the long end of the curve. Our experts also discussed ways to get paid to wait. The BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF, ticker ZWB, provides exposure to the big six, presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. For more information about the other ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFS.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.